This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up? Nothing. It's the grind. We've got three weeks until the draft or I don't want to ask two, two weeks. Two. I think it's, terrible. I still have to run through some, I have to run through the mid round tight ends. I got to run through the rest. I did almost all of the edge guys I want to do. And we're going to talk about them later. Yeah. Uh, I started running through some interior defensive line, but then Jake, let's go and Joe Goodberry asked me like, all right, you guys ready for tight end round table? I'm like, no, but I'll say yes. <laughs> and then uh, hopefully I'll be more prepped. So I'll be speed running. If you listen to this one and you listen to uh, uh, locked on Bengals where I'm going to make a guest appearance, just know I speed ran everybody after uh, Luke Musgrave or no, after um, I, I watched the next two. So everybody after Tucker Craft, Sam Laporta, I speed ran those guys. So you have an issue, take it up with uh, the couple games I watched. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, yeah. This is crazy busy time. I feel like it's almost more busy. The only week that's more busy is if they go to the Super Bowl. that week I, I killed myself trying to get out as much art like content as possible, but the draft like right before that i feel like that is uh content football content creators uh you know that's the big day and it's fun i just it, there's always more guys you know unless you do this full-time as a draft analyst there's always more guys that you have to watch or if it's just your full like if i did 40 hours a week i'd run through enough guys that i wouldn't feel this way but i'm trying to watch everybody in the top 100 they could take well, it's crazy. I don't know if it's just this season or it has always been like this, but it just feels like the Bengals are meeting with a lot, a lot of players. Their name is connected to so many different position groups. Um, that's why I kind of question, where are they going to go in round one? Where are they going to go in round two? No we don't know. It's best player available for them. Again, we've talked about it on here. The picks I would be surprised with, linebacker, safety. Uh, and even then, I mean, like, are you shocked if like a Brian branch is supposed to be in the mid first falls and they take him and they just go, we'll figure it out. No, like, I, I'd be surprised, but I would not be like, Whoa, <laughs> I've never saw this coming. And they probably still get like a C plus from me, even though it's not a need, just like a, yeah, you got a faller in the draft. Sure. Well, the thing is, I think what you can connect with that is just even this off season alone, I'm shocked they bought they brought Jermaine Pratt back. Not because I don't think he's a great player. He was one of their best defensive players last year. I was just shocked that he was one of the guys they were able to bring back on, on such a great deal. When there is another one like Logan Wilson extension that could happen this offseason, or, or maybe it's it's next year. Uh so no, I mean, when it comes to best player available, if a guy falls and he's one of their top guys on their board. They're going to take him at 28. It is a really good position to be in, even though, you know, they do have a few holes and question marks. Again, we've talked about it plenty at the right tackle spot on the offensive line. Um, you know, running back is still a big question mark for them. Tight end, I would say that they're going to add another guy or maybe two in this draft. So it's going to be fun. Two weeks from Thursday, I I'm ready for some new content when it comes to the Bengals because it's crazy. And, and maybe we were like this other seasons, but I think Bengals fans were ready to move on as soon as the day after the AFC championship game. They're like, okay, let's talk off season. Yeah. You know, for some needs players. Well, that <laughs> happened with the Super Bowl last year or the year before too. 
Oh man, you just gotta you gotta move on quick, and you're like, okay, ready for the next season. Uh, still a really talented team, and and it was a fun season, but unfortunately, uh, they came up short two years in a row. Um, yeah. I, I kind of want to go to the the edge position right now right. because you you are gonna have a great piece out on all Bengals, and I think fans should all check that out because you're a busy guy, busy off season, plenty of guys to talk about. We've talked about other position groups. I'm gonna have you talk about edge rushers now. Okay. Uh, I ran through a lot of them. I would not say everybody I'm about. I have a general feel, just know where these guys are supposed to go in the draft because there's a lot of, but I personally ran through, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten guys uh, just in the past week or so, maybe two weeks. And it inspired me a little bit because I was the second round edge rusher is awesome this year. There's so many guys. And I think the Bengals will be interested in a lot of them. We're going to talk about this in general, but um, there's so many guys that that feels like a really good spot at 60 to get a guy. I don't feel that way about many positions like first round. It feels like there'll be a corner there. They could like, but we've talked a lot about that. Like first round, I have no idea. And there's also two first round edge rush guys that I would not be surprised if they fell to them, that they would run to the podium to take. Um, and then there's only like one round three guy or projected round three. You never know with these things. Guys fall, guys move up. And then there's a couple round four guys. But when you think of the Bengals defensive ends, I mean, what I think of is big and strong and long and, you know, butt kickers. They're not going to go around somebody. These guys want to go through people. And I think that's something that hasn't really hit with Bengals fans completely because they always look at, Will McDonald, for example. Will McDonald is, let's see, have it written down here. He, I mean, he's under their weight threshold. He is 239 pounds. The lightest edge rusher the Bengals have ever taken was Jordan Willis, and he was 255 pounds. So it would be an outlier upon outliers to take that guy. <laughs> and, but they fall in love because they're like, oh my God, look at the bend. Look at how he spins. When was the last time you could remember a Bengals edge rusher that was like so bendy? So it was all the spin moves and stuff. It's like even Carl Lawson, these guys, they weren't bendy. He had a long arm and he had some moves off of it. Uh, but they weren't like, they weren't really spinning around too much or trying to bend Warner and not good run defenders. So I feel like they fall in love with these types. And there are certain places Will McDonald will thrive. It's just, I don't think the Bulls are at all interested. Now, it could happen don't see it happening. So I went through and I looked at every defensive end that the Bengals have taken since Duke Tobin took over in 1999, starting with Robert Gathers and ending in Joseph Osai and tried to find out, okay, so what is the max threshold for different areas? And weight was a huge one. It knocked off nine different guys. The lightest guy they took, like I mentioned, was Jordan Willis at 255 pounds. I mean, Will Anderson was 253. He's not going to be there, but it knocks off Nolan Smith, 238, Will McDonald, 239, B.J. Ojolari, 248, uh, Byron Young, 250, Nick Herbig, 240, and then some other guys lower down. And then it even knocks off Derek Hall at 254, although that is one I, – I could see you breaking a threshold by a pound, just like a, it's one pound type thing. But we're talking like 16 pounds. I don't think they're interested. So that was, that was one of the big ones, that, you know, like – we have to remember the Bengals like these guys big. They like them strong, and they like to set hard edges more than they like bendy pass rushing, 15 sacks, and a bad run defender types. Although 
you could argue Trey Hendrickson does that a little bit sometimes, but at the same time, Trey Hendrickson tries to run through people. He doesn't run around. And when they pass rush, Bengals like these a cage around the quarterback, so it would be called. You know, you're condensing and stopping them from making plays. Think when they play Lamar Jackson. Think when they play Patrick Mahomes. What do they do? They're not bending around, giving him a lane to escape. He rolls out and throws the ball 50 yards. They're trying to compress, 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 and make it so that they can't escape. They're, all their lanes to escape are gone unless you can break a tackle. I just need someone to get to the quarterback. Yeah. Because, I mean, you you spend all that money on your defensive line right now, and you bring up a really great point when it comes to size and what the Bengals really like. I, they need help getting that pass rush. It has been a struggle for two years in a row. You could even say, you know, we, we point the finger at the offensive line on the other side, but you could point the finger and say they could have two Lombardis if they were able to, to get to the quarterback in, in the last few seasons. It's just something that they struggle with, and for how good Luana Rumo's defense is, I want them to get a playmaker. I don't think they will do that at 28 unless a guy that they absolutely love in the top happens to fall at 28. I like your idea of more of a second round guy. Do you feel it's pretty realistic with how deep this class is that they could probably do that in the second or, or even, I don't want to say third round, but obviously it's an option too. Second is huge. So when I got rid of everybody that didn't meet thresholds, um, Three cone knocked a couple people out and they really love the 10 yard split. They, their average edge rusher has a uh, 1.69 or 1.64 10 yard split, which is in the 82nd percentile. For example, the short shuttle, which would be the bendy, the edgy is 451, which is in the 47th percentile. So they prioritize some things over others and that knocks the people off and you get left with nine guys, nine guys that are very likely to be taken by the Bengals. And the first two are first round type. You've got Miles Murphy, who they just are meeting with, and they met with at the combine Clemson edge rusher, long, strong, not very bendy fits. Uh, and then the other ones, Lucas Van Ness. I don't know if you've heard about him either. Long, strong, not very bendy. He fits. Although I, I do think Van Ness has some issues run defending, at least right now, even though he's from Iowa. So those two, if they're at 28, I think they're heavily in consideration. But then when you get to the second round, um, Felix Enudike Uzama, Keon White, Isaiah Foskey, and Tuli Tuipuloto all passed all the thresholds. Tui di Tuli didn't do any of the testing, so I have no idea about that. But he passes their size, what they want for size, which did knock a lot of people off. And they're really interested because they sent Louie Anarumo all the way out to USC's Pro Day, and they met with him at the Combine. Like the, They're like – Move in front of us. <laughs> want to see, make sure that you can move uh, because we're really interested in taking you. There's four guys. I think they'd be most interested in Isaiah Foskey. Long, strong, not very bendy. He can rush the passer. He's got some moves. I liked him a lot on film. Um, we went through. He it ends up above average in eight of the possible 13 categories I listed out. And he only wasn't at least above the the above like at least above below average so like average-ish in I believe it was age age was the only thing he was yeah age at 22 and a half years old when he's drafted that's the only thing that they usually get them a little bit younger than that other than that flying colors he's like the perfect Bengals edge rusher and when you watch him it kind of feels that way really good run defender um flashes some high level pass rush stuff just feels like if he's there at 60, that's a strong, strong consideration at the pick. Other than that, Keon White is huge. Felix and DK Uzama passed six of the 13 things and didn't have anything that knocked him off. And 
Thule is the one I have no feel on because he seems like a guy they'd be really interested in, but with no testing, you just have no idea really how interested they are. Maybe these interviews didn't go that well, or maybe they're sending multiple interviews out there because Anarumo is, he's not in, but everybody else is like, yeah, got it. Come on. This guy's great. Type thing. I think I brought that up with somebody before just, you know, sometimes they're split within the same office. So those are the the top two round guys. There's a few other ones later on. Who would you feel would be a disappointment if they took them early on in the draft? Ooh, at edge rusher specifically. So first two rounds. Uh, I I didn't see it with Keon White as much, even though he passes a lot of the stuff they like. He's big, he's long, he's strong. He's like 280 pounds. I just, I don't, he's not a really good run defender. That was surprising is that he doesn't have much of an anchor and ability to hold point when he's defending the run at 280 pounds in the ACC. I think of moving to the NFL, that's tough. And they've already got a guy in Zach Carter that's around that size and playing inside. So I don't think they want that. Uh, that that's the guy, if they take him at 60, I'm not going to be thrilled about, especially if some of those other guys are available. And like I mentioned, um, Derek, Derek Hall, he just misses the threshold by one pound. And he was probably my favorite guy I watched out of the edge rushers in the second round. Just, he's so, he's such a good pass rusher. And that's, I think something that was really missing juice wise. So that I would be upset if they passed on like a Derek Hall or Thule or any of these guys for Keon White. When you mentioned Zach Carter, and I feel like when they picked him up last year in the draft that a lot of people were like, hmm, question mark. Not really sure about that one. What are his expectations with this defense next year? So uh, he'll play three tech, five tech, which is outside the guard, outside the tackle, probably flip in between. The surprising thing is he's not very big for three technique, but I think that's where he played the most. Uh, He was at least an interior defensive lineman for them for sure. And that's not something they've really done a lot of. So if you are like a Kalijah Kansi truther, maybe that's the guy you kind of point to like, hey, that guy's 280 pounds. (laughs) Why can't we get this one? Um, My expectations would be that he can – he came on a little bit towards the end of the year. I thought his rookie year was not great. It was okay. I guess it was, I was more excited for cam sample after his rookie year than I was uh, for um, Zach Carter after his rookie year. I thought cam showed more. And I think some people didn't really love cam samples rookie year. I thought his sophomore year was actually pretty good, but uh, yeah, I, I would like to see him take a step forward and kind of demand snaps you know, like you don't want to bench this guy too long because he's doing, he's so disruptive. He's doing so much and, or at least just as a pass rusher, just provide some interior juice. Cause I don't think he did that very much. They need that the most. They need that more than they need these run stoppers on the interior. They, they've got so many run stoppers. I know that's what they like to build. They like big run stopping defensive line, but you need somebody to step up, especially on the interior. That's why I was so in on some of those free agent interior guys. But if you get that in-house, it's even better. It's cheap. It's, uh, and it could happen. I just, I guess my expectation is a better pass rusher and isn't being taken off the field because of his run defense or anything. Yeah, that's definitely something to watch out for. Like Mike said, he's going to have that piece on all Bengals. Make sure you check it out. Everything Edge Rushers 101 and (laughs) and what the Bengals really do need on this 2023 roster. Next, we're going to talk a little T. Higgins, wide receiver. Maybe an extension coming soon on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. 
It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I, I would say Easter Sunday was pretty eventful for, for Bengals fans on Twitter. Uh, there's report news. I'll give Zim Hude credit for, for saying it. He did the emoji and said five is done. And then, you know, of course, they want to they wanna wrap up Joe Burrow next. So a lot of people thought, okay, number five, T. Higgins. What's going to happen? Did they really get it done? It didn't help that T. Higgins retweeted a tweet um, just praising his agent, which is always a really good thing. Maybe an hour or so after Zim had tweeted that. Again, I'll say this right now. When it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals, they won't make an official announcement until Penn is on the paper and the player is there. We've heard plenty of times when players come in for uh, visits, free agent visits, their own guys, and, and they just wait until they're there. They will post their little Instagram photo of the player signing paper. Um, so it, I don't feel like it has officially happened with the Cincinnati Bengals again. Um, and, and I'll give, you know, Zim his credit. He's the one that is, is, um, saying that on Twitter, but, but what do you think about some of this T Higgins news and would it be pretty surprising to go ahead and get that done before they get Joe done? I don't think it'd be surprising to get that done before Joe. I mean, if there's some type of just, you know, contract negotiation going on with Joe Burrow, that doesn't mean you stop negotiation with your other players and T Higgins, as we've talked about probably after Burrow and chase, he's the next guy. I mean, when you think about the blue chip talent on the team, it's not about, you know, you're going to pay so much money to two, to a quarterback and two wide receivers. Well, yeah, when they're that good, why wouldn't you, <laughs> you know, yeah. Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison all got paid together. Uh, Tory Holt, Kurt Warner and uh, Isaac Bruce all paid together. So why not? So I, I'm not really that surprised by it, especially if they have they have been so adamant about not even being interested at all in trading him. I think they he they see him as a long term piece. So yeah, I, I'm not that surprised by it. I wish the news would come officially. Not that I am doubting Zim, but I will say the Schefter tweet will hit different. It'll you know that will be a, oh finally because look. How am I supposed to brag to people about this? It's like, how do you know? It's like, I know a guy. It's like, has he broke anything before? Not really. Yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing. I think what is surprising about all of it would be David Malagata getting yeah. it done with him. And and I would feel like record amount of time, because one of the things that I've noticed with Bengals contracts, and you could look around the NFL, this happens a lot with players. They get the extension completed during training camp or get it done before regular season starts. They do not mess with that when the season is here, but it is something that they like to take care of in July. I would be shocked that it's done in April uh, in a good way, shocked in a good way that they were able to get T done. And maybe there are those behind the uh, scene conversations happening because they've already said Katie Blackburn talked to the media at the owner's meetings and said there is a vow between Joe Burrow's agents and the Bengals front office when it comes to silence between the two parties as they are talking. It's not out in the news. And I would be a little surprised that nothing is really uh, David Malagata, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport. Uh, if he has not said a word to them and maybe they've agreed in language on terms of what that contract's going to look like. So 
I think that would be the biggest news of all if the front office was able to get that complete. And maybe it is a three-year deal. Maybe it's for another an, another opportunity for T. Higgins to get another contract on top of another contract. Maybe that's in Cincinnati or elsewhere outside of um, what that extension would look like on top of what he's currently playing on. So that, for me, would be the biggest surprise with how quickly they would be able to get that done. Yeah. Yeah, I guess being this early um... – I've always been a proponent that they're going to prioritize keeping T at least for the next couple of years. So I'm just, I think the people that were too doom about it and I've been around the 50, 50 mark before, but I think the people too doom about it are just, you know, it's, it's not the same age it's always been. It, it feels like the Bengals of the past probably don't get that deal done. They, but even then they're going to let him play out his rookie deal, give him a franchise tag and then move on. So you still got a few years. These Bengals, I don't know. It's it's a new day, D-E-Y, I guess. Uh, you can see the free agency though. They're they're willing to spend money, and the Orlando Brown contract is a difference in the you know the guaranteed money upfront type deal. T Higgins, I think this is just kind of a look at. This is why we sold the state. This is why we did all this other stuff to make all this money. We're going to spend it. We're going to spend it on our guys. We're not just going to pocket the money. Um, and one thing about that would just be signing T to a big deal. I think that would both – that would not only be, like, great for Bengals fans. I think it's a statement a little bit for around the league of just – I know you. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking they'll never pay these guys. They're cheap. They won't do this. They won't do that. And you get the one done that you're questioning. Nobody's questioning whether or not they're going to keep Jamar Chase. They're not questioning if they're going to keep Joe Burrow. I mean, I guess some people are about the whole like guaranteed contract. The Browns are geniuses for paying the one of the worst quarterbacks in the league $500 million. So, uh, but nobody really is questioning if they're going to keep Joe Burrow. Nobody's questioning if they're going to keep Jamar Chase. You get T. Higgins done, and now you know those three are there long term. And it's everybody else you don't know anything about. So, I think it's cool. I, it, I'm still waiting on the official tweet. I trust Zim. I yes. think it's done. I just, I want, I want the Schefter tweet. It, no offense to him. It just, it, it will hit different for me when I see the Schefter or the Rappaport about it, Cause I think it'll be like the NFL fans and everybody will kind of see that like, shoot, <laughs> you know, this is a different team. This is a team that wants to compete. This is a team that's going to, you know, actually spend money to do so. Yeah. And, and credit to them, you know, obviously, um, like you said, it's going to hit different when it's officially official uh, and we see it out there. And I know he didn't put out on Twitter when it was going to happen or anything like that. I know Bengals fans are very eager of like, when is it going to be official? Um, I, I expect um, when that is finally officially official, the Bengals will have their tweet out as fast as anyone um, because they'll be excited to announce that. And, you know, when you think about the behind the scenes and we've talked about the core, as you mentioned, you get Jamar Chase, you have Joe and I'd put T Higgins in that category. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes. So I, I, I'm, I'm using, you know, speculation of maybe Joe Burrow is having those conversations with the front office and saying, look, go get my guy paid. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see where we're at with the number. And that's when we'll decide what I'm getting, uh, what that extension is going to look for Joe Burrow. So that would be, um, I think it would be awesome. And, and I would feel it really great because 
personally, I thought in the offseason that it was probably going to be Joe Burrow first when it comes to the three guys, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Logan Wilson. Um, I still think it's important if you want to keep Logan Wilson that you get it done now because I, I like the linebacker market, uh, the way it's looking right now, and I still want them to be able to find a way to keep him. And maybe that looks different with their Jermaine Pratt extension. But um, if they are able to get those three guys done, that lets them focus on Jamar Chase next year. Yes, they'll have more contract from their own guys that they're going to have to decide if they're going to move on or extend in the 2024 season. But I think you put that focus and not worry about doing a T Higgins, a Jamar Chase. You've mentioned it before. If they don't work something out next offseason, it could be a franchise tag and T Higgins is here for at least two more years. Uh, but yeah, it, it it's a different front office. And you know, when, when it's finally out there, when the Adam Schefters of the world and Ian Rappaport's uh, put that stuff out there and the Bengals are able to to get those extensions done, it makes it really exciting because they, it is different. It's different times for the Bengals. And uh, we saw that last year when they decided to sell the naming rights of the stadium. I thought that was huge. Um, everybody knows, you know, Paul Brown Stadium, Mike's dad, and, and you know, everything that he thinks of him and, and to say, you know what, we're going to sell that name. And that money that they sold that name for, people joke and call Pay Joe Stadium. That's going right into Joe Burrow's contract extension. That's going into T. Higgins' contract extension. That's going to go into Jamar Chase's contract extension. And from a business move, that's smart on their part. You go into Paycor Stadium now, all of the gates are, are sponsored. That wasn't there a year, uh, a previous year ago. I mean, that's that's what's different about this front office. They are thinking, okay, we have this core group. Joe Burrow has joked and said, hey. Super Bowl one is my whole career, but you got to keep these guys. Duke Tobin said it at the combine. They're not out there to make other teams better. That's just something they don't want to do. All the teams in the first round of the 2020 draft missed on T. Higgins. That is their fault, not the Cincinnati Bengals front office. So, yeah, it's exciting stuff. Again, credit to Zim if this is officially official. Um, you know, he should be the first one to get credit for it. But we are we are waiting for it to be to be out there so i don't i don't know what it's going to look like what would you think again contract money stuff is is always really hard to determine do you think it would be something like a 3 year or 4 yearish deal um my initial instinct is something like 4 100 uh probably somewhere in that territory i think he's worth anywhere from 20 to 26 27 a year and knowing his agent, it's probably going to be towards the up, upper side of that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my first thought is my first thought is four years. Just and it could not be four years; it could be three years. But I think T might prefer four. If I'm trying to think, he's what twenty three right now. I'm not hundred percent sure. I'm going to real quick. Uh, look that up while I talk, but he's in a good spot because he was so young when he got drafted that he has a chance to cash in now and then to also, he's 24. So cash in now and then also cash in before 30 again. Like you get the two huge paydays. That would be great. Uh, that's that's what's great about these guys coming in so young and being Pro Bowl level talents or so. Uh, yeah, my first thought is about 25 a year. I think four, I could see three. I just don't think you'll have to push for the short deal because even if he goes four years, that puts him at 28 when he would sign his next deal, 
which for some guys, that's when they sign their first deal. But even if they franchise tag him after that, 29, which isn't great. And maybe that's why you want to do three years. It's just because they could franchise tag you if, if you know things go up and they don't want to keep you after that franchise tag and then let you go and then you hit the market at 28. But I think they're going to push – I'm thinking, I think the Bengals will probably push for four years. Uh, although Larry Tunsil signed that huge three-year deal and he signed two huge three-year deals now. So maybe that is the new wave thing to do. My mind just says four though. If it's three, it's probably three, what, 75 or so math, 25 times, whatever is around where I think it'll be. 85 old number. <laughs> 485 one. I think that'd be great for the Bengals because I think that's around the lower end of what he could sign for. But two, it's just fun, right? <laughs> two, we love the number. I, I want to go up to four years because um, PFF actually put that out there last week. And I think Bengals fans were a little nervous when they were talking about Joe Burrow. Again, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. And I love that the Bengals and Joe Burrow's uh, camp, they are keeping it quiet between the two parties. This isn't out in the news. Maybe it will when we get closer to this deal getting finalized. I saw four years for Joe Burrow's contract of, of a guesstimate of what that could possibly look like. It scared a lot of Bengals fans because they're like, no, 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 take the 10-year deal. Uh, need you for eight years. And I think if Patrick Mahomes could go back, he'd probably be like, you know what, I'd like to, to change that deal a little bit because he could have cashed in on even more money than he was already getting on the 10-year contract. But for, for Joe Burrow, I, I know that that scares people because they think, Oh, only four years. That isn't, that isn't a lot. I think a lot of people forget that it would be on top of the two. Um, it would go into the season. They're going to pick up that fifth year option. And then you would add four to that. So that'd be six years. Well, what do you think about that? When you see the number of, of what Joe Burrow could possibly look at, if it is a four or maybe six year contract extension. Yeah. Just the more years you add, the more flexible you can be with where the money goes, I think is what I, what I look at that as. And when you're talking about Joe Burrow, you're probably pushing some of that money to the end of the deal. And then, you know, he's probably going to resign another one. And then you take that money and you spread it out over the next deal type thing. It's just not that he's not going to see all this money. It's just think about the Saints and Drew Brees. They're always kicking that can down the road while he's there because they know that's their guy. Uh, this is just Quarterback. So if you look at Patrick Mahomes' contract, most of that money is towards the end of it. And well, 10 years, there basically is a second extension in there. But you know, you you push the money back so that you can compete now and you just keep doing that until they retire. Then you pay the piper. <laughs> you take a year and it's gonna cost some money, and then you uh hopefully get a new guy when you uh have to move on. But for the Bengals, I mean moving on, it's gonna be a long time from now. For this podcast, I hope the Bengals do these extensions soon. Uh, it would be really great, maybe before the NFL draft or right after in the dead period of time before they get into more offseason workouts and training camp because we, we want to talk about it. I know fans are really excited. So hopefully all of that uh, news breaks soon, but we will uh, have the latest when it does. But right now, no new news on the extension talk, but um, it, it's pretty exciting to think about when it comes to the outlook of this offense. I do want to talk a little more about some of the prospects in the draft as we are almost two weeks away next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata.
We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. A little edge rushers, maybe T. Higgin extension soon. Next, I want to talk a little more about the prospects overall. You actually had a really great tweet out there earlier, and it had me thinking. You asked social media, who is that prospect that you're just pounding the table for when it comes to who the Bengals are going to draft? And I'm going to put you on the spot when you think of everyone outside of edge rushers. We already talked about that. Who are you pounding the table for when you talk to this? If you're if you're telling the Bengals front office, this is the guy you guys need to get. Yeah, I mean, I picked 28. I think it would go uh, B. John Robinson. I've always been on that train of just take him. Take, this is an elite talent that shouldn't be here. Uh, but if Bijan's gone, which he probably will be, then the next guy I think I would move to, assuming the top three corners are gone, uh, would be Deontay Banks, who just got a 10 RAS score, relative athletic, one of the most athletic cornerbacks that has come through the combine, and he's pretty good. Uh, but he's probably also gone because he was one of the most athletic corners at the combine. If no, five, maybe he's there. 10, he's probably gone. So I think it, both of those guys are gone. I don't, man. I don't have too many guys in the first round that I am just like clamoring for pounding the table. Like you have to take this guy. If both those guys are gone, I think, you know, if certain people fall, I would love it. Uh, Kalaja Kansi is interesting. I don't know if I am banging the table for him. Maybe I gave him a grade that probably would necessitate that. I just, they would have to just, you know, ignore some of their, they did it last year with Zach Carter. Just do it again with Kalijah Kansi because he's going to be an awesome pass rusher and you'll figure out the run defense. Just stick him between Reader and Hubbard. You'll be okay. <laughs> Try to run at that all you want. Uh, so maybe Kalijah Kansi if he's there, but even he's probably gone. So then who are you left with? Probably nobody I'm pounding the table for. But I moved to pick 60 and I've got a few guys I'd pound the table for. Zach Charbonnet, I've been a Zach Charbonnet truther for a long time. I, I would be pounding the table for him or or uh, Jameer Gibbs. I just don't think Gibbs will be there at 60, and I don't think he's worth it at 28. So pound the table for Charbonnet at 60 if he's there, and there's a pretty good possibility he would be there. That's if they don't get Bijan. I'm not going to do both. Uh, some of the uh, most, I think four of those edge rushers I would do that for, but we already talked about them. Um, who else at pick 60? If Dewan Jones is there, I would be about it. And I, I've, it seems more and more likely that he might fall. Now, they have to figure out the non-football part of this because I think that is might be why he's falling is that, you know, he left the Senior Bowl after a day and some people are questioning some of this about he didn't weigh in in his pro day. Why didn't you weigh in at your pro day? And maybe it's just, I went to dinner with Mike Tomlin and Willie Anderson and everybody. We ate a lot. I don't want to, <laughs> I want to weigh in after that, but why didn't you work out? Why haven't you worked out at all? Is there an injury we don't know about? Is this just hiding something or is this just, I didn't want to work out. I'm letting my film stand for my film type thing. So that, that I think there's a little bit more to it, but he is a guy I would be, pretty all over about them taking at pick 60 because it's hard to find starting level tackles there. And I think he is that. And then boom, you've got what, what is an appropriate name for the two giants on each side? Cause I, I don't think the towers works anymore. Um, but you know, you've got two behemoths on each side. Uh, I mean, I Joe Burrow getting that bag, and then you get these great guys on, on both on both sides of the line. You're like, okay, all right, this looks good for 2023. I mean, no, I'd be okay with that. I want to stay with the offensive line right now. 
Darnell Wright. He's been in the news with the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, 28. I, I don't think he's there. I think it's – I'm starting to feel like it might be more likely Darnell Wright is not there than it is for Broderick Jones to not be there. And I would be okay with him taking Jones, but he's only played left tackle, I think. He might have played right tackle his freshman year. So I think there's some right tackle in there. He's going to need a year. And maybe that's okay. You have Jonah Williams. But is that the best use of a pick at 28? Although it did say it would pound the table for Deontay Banks. That's also because corner more – there are injuries at tackle, and Jonah Williams has suffered his own. So maybe that is there. But I think Banks could start right now. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure Broderick Jones could, but he could be something awesome. So that's that's the one reason I don't think I – I would probably pound the table for Darnell right if he's there, but I just don't think he will be there. It's kind of similar to, yeah, if Joey Porter Jr. is there, I'm saying take him, but it's probably not going to be there. Um, look at it, like 92, I think is where it gets really interesting. Like who at 92 are you going to really clamor for? Uh, I feel like I haven't run into a ton of guys that I'm all over at that spot. I guess if like Tucker Kraft, the tight end, falls there. I, I would be very okay with that. Um, Stila from TCU. haven't watched a ton of, but if he's there at 92, sign me up. Um, trying to think who else. I know in the fourth round, third round maybe a little bit, but definitely in the fourth round, my guy Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss is a guy I am – I'm telling them to take. I just I think he's a starting level wide receiver. Now, is that worth a a second round pick? Maybe not, but is that a third round pick? I think so. Is it a fourth round pick? Definitely. I just think I think he can play. Like he can block, he can catch, he's got good body control. He fits a lot of what they like. 6'2, 220. He's big. He can play some slot. I mean, he moves around, he's versatile. The only thing is Ole Miss. That's a lot of schemed up stuff. Lane Kiffin is, he draws up some crazy stuff. So it's not all him just winning one-on-one against these SEC corners. Sometimes it's Lane Kiffin drew up some magic, but I think he can play. And that's a guy I would be all over in that spot. There's probably other wide receivers I would be too. I hear a lot about A.T. Perry from Wake Forest and being a guy like that. Um, So there's a few wide receivers that at 92 would probably be a good spot. But Ty J. Spears. 92. That's a that's another good running back choice there. And my fourth round running back of choice is Kendra Miller. A little raw, but man, is he fun. Like he just he wants to deliver pain and he's got rare size speed. And that's all I you know, we'll figure the rest out. He will adapt to reading and stuff. <laughs> you know, he could he could run. I want to go to wide receiver, go back to what you were talking about, because we, I feel like we are spending so much time with other position groups and we've hit on it before on the podcast, this team, they, they, they aren't afraid to go ahead and say, you know what? Our guys on the board right there. Yeah. There's a corner, but you know what? I'm going wide receiver again. We're thinking about uh, possibly Tyler Boyd replacement in 2024 and you need more depth in your wide receiver room. They, they, they just feel like a team that just says, you know what? We're just, he's there. He's there. He's the wide receiver we want. I would be surprised in the second round just because this isn't the wide receiver class that we've seen over yeah. the last few years. If it was heavy, they could even do that at 28. I don't see them doing that. Uh, but yeah, maybe the third round, third, fourth round. Third, third, fourth feels like a wide receiver pick to me. The more yeah. I've thought about it, it, that could be running back spot. But man, 
I keep thinking they're they're gonna second third is running back. I don't think they're interested in fourth round running back. And second, they have a history of taking these running backs in the second round. Could very easily be what they do. And I think that'll make some people a little upset. Uh, but me, no, as long as they take a guy I love. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I think third, fourth is the wide receiver spot. I could see fifth too, but to me, and it, it could just be like tight end last year. I thought they were very interested in the tight ends last year and just they never got one because the class was kind of whatever uh, and just none of the guys they wanted fell. So maybe, maybe that ends up happening. They don't get a wide receiver till late, but I think that would be why. I don't think it would be that they're not prioritizing wide receiver at all. Uh, Joe Goodberry actually tweeted this out today. When it comes to the running back room, they met with 10 prospects which feels like maybe one of the highest position groups that they've met with. Uh, we all know what happened with Samaj P. Ryan. They offered him a very similar deal. They wanted him to return. Question mark with Joe Mixon. Don't need to get into that because we still don't know what's going to happen going into the season. I think the draft is going to be really telling for that position group, but I'm going to put you on the spot right here. I don't see them doing this, but they could. Say the Bengals drafted two running backs. Okay. Two. I could see it. Uh, I just, I think it would be spread out. Who? Who? Two. They were going two. Who are they getting? They were going with two of them. I think it would be, this is one where it could not be spread out. If they go with like Tajay Spears in the third and they just know that's a committee guy. That's not a bell cow. Zach Charbonnet, that's a bell cow. Um, Jameer Gibbs is kind of a committee guy, but he's also like super explosive and what you want. Uh, but B. John Robinson, that's not a committee guy. That's a bell cow. You're going to hand that guy the ball 300 times. He's going to catch 100 passes. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, similar deal. But Tajay Spears, you're probably looking at 250 snaps, uh, 300 snaps, maybe not 250 snaps, but 250 touches, 200 touches, somewhere in that range where maybe he's your lead guy, but he's a committee guy. I remember I, I comped him compared him to Felix Jones from Dallas. It was part of one of my favorite underrated backfield duos of all time, Marion the Barbarian, Barber, and Felix Jones. It was really fun. Uh, so I, I like him. And then do you come back in the fourth? Now be quick, third, fourth, both on running back. So I don't see that happening. But do you get a guy like a Roshan Johnson? Roshan Johnson would be the guy in the fourth. But maybe you go to the fifth, and it's like Chris Rodriguez or maybe Rodriguez last till the sixth. And I have not watched many guys after that. <laughs> uh, that could be in the sixth and the seventh. I just, I don't think the Bengals are waiting in those waters other than really special teamers, but that would be the double dip is you've got a guy. My thought is just, I keep looking back on, they're probably keeping Mixon right now. And he could be on the team no matter what next year. I do think Bijan falls They're that's probably a no-go anymore. But even Charbonnet in round two, I could see that working with him and Mixon in the same backfield. Spears, definitely, because I think you want to split that work. Uh, so that's why I keep coming back to with trying to pair like Spears and Johnson or something and doing third and fourth round picks. It's two high picks, and you've got Mixon on the roster. Why not just keep Mixon and – roll with that backfield. So I think it would be spread out almost no matter what, like it would be Tyon Evans in the seventh round plus a Charbonnet or whoever. We went heavy with the position group of edge rushers in the first segment, but we'll go outside of that. Is there a guy that we just, we need to pay more attention to when it comes to the draft board? 
Ooh, edge rusher. There's two and fourth rounders. And this I found from doing my thing. I didn't, I have never heard anybody talk about Isaiah McGuire. Uh, he's got a consensus rating of 115 or so. That would make sense. Fourth round. He's big, long, young, high production numbers. Uh, and he passes most of the, he passes, he, well, he passes every threshold and he's above average and plenty of them for what the Bengals like. So that's a guy. And then the other fourth rounder would be Yaya Diaby from Louisville. I hope I'm saying that correct. He's a tad small, but he passed the thresholds and he is the only, I think the only, or at least one of the only to score above their average for broad jump, vertical jump, 40 yard dash and 10 yard split, which tells you he's explosive. He can jump out of the gym. He can fire off the ball. And that tells you he could probably develop a high level get off and be able to rush the passer. So those are two guys in the fourth round that I haven't heard like anybody talk about yaya diaby shows up in some mock drafts but i think that's also just like a name thing like you see a guy named yaya diaby and you're gonna select him over <laughs> isaiah mcguire i would <laughs> like ooh, look at that name <laughs> i don't know these guys so uh you know that those two i think are guys that we should probably pay a little bit more attention to in terms of the edge rushing class i want to look more into some of the other possible uh position groups and what they have drafted in the past and maybe see if i can find some interior defensive line guys or something along those lines that they might be interested in that area because it feels to me like i have a feel for the guys they could take in the first two rounds after that though i don't know about you but that feels like the miss the real like it's a mystery what they do at 28 but we could probably list off the guys they could select when you get to like round three i think it's just I got no idea. I've watched a few of these guys, but there's also uh, quite a few guys that, I don't know, sure. Well, doesn't it feel like a good draft for them? Because yeah. the, the safety isn't there. The safety class isn't there. They don't need a safety, to be completely honest. I feel like they feel good with Nick Scott. Um, they they obviously have Dax Hill from last year, and we really haven't seen him out there enough in the safety position on this defense. Uh, wide receiver, you know, we've talked about before, maybe that's a third or fourth round pick for them, but isn't a huge need in this draft. I just feel like when it comes to best player available, it really just fits them. Um, they, they're just going to be able to take advantage. And that's one of the things you see some of these guys who are up for trades on other NFL teams. And I see fans say, go send them a fifth, go send them a fourth. This team needs to keep their draft picks right now. Yeah, They need to get these younger guys out there because they are going to be paying these extensions of their own players. And you got to hit on your draft picks and that isn't easy, but I just feel like they're really set up in this draft, um, to just, to just get better players to add to your depth and, and, and a few starters here and there, uh, but they can go anywhere. And that's what makes it a lot of fun. And I don't think a lot of teams are, are in that position like they are. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think this draft class strengths and weaknesses, like you were kind of alluding to matches up really well with what the Bengals may want to do really strong at corner early on. They could draft that really strong at tight end early on. They could draft that. Uh, and then the wide receiver class, a little stinky up top. But I hear everybody keep talking about, well, there's a lot of round three types. There's a lot of round four types. And what do the Bengals really need? They need a round three type. They need a round four type. So if there's a lot of those guys, great. <laughs> Who cares about the top? Uh, yeah, that's – I keep looking is uh, just there, – there are quite a few – guys it's a really good edge rusher group and you could always use another one of those mm -hmm. so i think 
tackle is the one thing that's just you get it at 28 or you just unless Dewan Jones falls to 60 you're a little screwed uh and interior defensive line I don't have too much of a feel on uh that's why I'm trying to watch a lot of these guys and some of them feel fine for where they're going but it doesn't seem like that's a very deep group either it seems like edge and corner are deep and weirdly wide receivers shallow up top, but there's a lot of those round three, round four types and then running back super deep. And there's a ton of round two, round three, round four types. So that, that fits what they like, what they want as well. The good news. We're almost there. The finish line yeah. to the NFL draft and prospects breakdown, because I know you're doing your homework. I think Bengals fans should follow you if they're not already Bengals underscore Sands. You're going to have a great piece on all Bengals by the time they are listening to this podcast. Make sure you check that out and everything leading up to the NFL draft. Almost two weeks away. We'll be back on Thursday on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.